Well, it is an honour and a privilege to be able to speak today, and I'm quite excited about the message that I've got, although also I'm a little bit out of my comfort zone as well. Um, I'll explain that in a minute, but um, I want to start with the question of how do you say thank you? Um, I don't know if you say thank you with words, I just simply with the words thank you, maybe you say cheers, uh, maybe if you're in the car and someone lets you go, you hold up your hand, or you do the kind of the one, one flicky finger up on the uh, steering wheel, um, you might mouth thank you, do you nod, maybe a gift or a token of appreciation for someone who does something for you, maybe you don't say thank you enough, um, maybe actually you're sitting there thinking maybe I don't say thank you enough, do you always say thank you? Kate and I at the moment, my wife Kate and I, are in the stage of teaching our two little girls to say thank you. Um, it somehow brings amazing joy when they end up saying thank you, especially when they are not prompted to do so. Uh, suddenly you'll just hear them say thank you and you're like, yes, you know, we've, somehow you've, 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 you've achieved something. Because um, thank you shows recognition. It shows appreciation. And as children, we're actually taught that it's polite. Don't forget your pleases and your thank yous for everything. Um, and a passage recently that stood out to me in, in the Bible is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 to 20. Um, and I'm going to read it in a minute. It's, uh, Paul's basically in the middle of talking about how we walk with wisdom. And Ephesians 5, 18, 20 says this, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father. Paul encourages us right at the end there to, to give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. But how can we give thanks always? Because life is tough. For some, it's tougher than others. And you might be here today thinking, yeah, actually life is a bit of a challenge at the moment. And actually I think no matter how big or small a challenge in life, or a difficulty or the situation you're facing, if you're in it, it is big. So even if... Something doesn't seem that big to me, and someone else is going through it. I kind of think, actually, I've had to really stop myself and think, actually, for them who are in that situation, that is a big thing. And then how do we say thank you always to God in those situations? You see, Kate and I have been on a journey over five years, almost, with God, uh, teaching us about his character, his nature, and what it means to us that he is good all the time and that we can give him thanks Always. And I started off initially wanting to teach on this passage, expounding the word, getting right in there, the theology behind it. And to be honest, that would be the safe option for me to do. And I'd love to do that. And I'd be really comfortable doing that. But actually today, I really felt like telling examples and stories and not necessarily looking for a theological answer to this question, which seems like a bit of an odd thing to do. And to be honest, writing it, then I ended up not really getting to a conclusion, but we got there in the end. Because then I want to do is pull in Ephesians 5 and kind of tie it up. 
uh, pull it all together with how we can respond to that. So you're going to have to bear with me while I tell some stories, but I love telling stories. Um, and you have to. I, what I hope to, hope to do is to encourage you that God is good and we can give thanks always um, in all th- in all things. So I'm going to pray because I think. Um, I need it. And uh, we're going to ask God just to bless us. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we were able to, to sing worship to you earlier. We thank you that our whole lives are an act of worship to you. And Father, we just ask now that as we hear your words, we would uh, remember that song we sang at the beginning, let your word move in power. And Father, we just ask that as we hear your word, as we respond to your word, Father, you would do something within us and for us which changes our worlds and the worlds of people around us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, our eldest daughter, okay, she, uh, when she was born, I'm going to start here, she uh, was, had undiagnosed acid reflux, which basically meant she couldn't stomach milk. And as a baby, that is quite essential that you stomach milk. So she would cry for hours and hours after a feed. And then she wouldn't settle in obvious discomfort. I used to walk the passages around our house late at night, pushing around in her pram where she screamed, trying to get her to sleep. We had no idea what was going on. And we we both really struggled with the concept of why this was happening at the time. We both really struggled with, we were meant to be enjoying our baby, which we did, But the time with our baby was just that moment of, oh, no, not another feed because it's going to happen again. And Kate especially was questioning God as to why he would let a baby suffer like that. Um, I've I've cleared all this with Kate. We wrote it yesterday. We were potentially going to do a a tag team talk, but Kate's somewhere else at the moment. So um, Kate would actually admit that that the situation at times became really, really overwhelming. Um, as you have to feed your baby. And as a mother's instinct is, I have to feed my baby. And she started saying things like, why would God let this happen? The situation was actually exasperated even more because we had two friends who had had their first child around the same time and their babies were also really poorly and they were in and out of hospital. And we just found it so difficult to see these tiny babies suffering in such a way and thinking, but how can we say that God is good and how can we thank God always? So we struggled along with different medications and eventually we found a milk that was gentle on her stomach and seemed to relieve some of the the discomfort that she was in. And then brilliantly, we believed that God healed her one week. When she was around six months old uh, at church, she was prayed for by the lovely Fran. It was great to see Fran and Mark here last week, Um, back from from their their time away. And uh, Fran just, just... simply prayed, God, we just pray for healing. And she continued then to drink milk, and she seemed much better. And actually, we then rejoiced in the fact that God is good for healing our daughter to the point where she came to actually love her milk. And until recently, it was her favorite drink. And I thought, that's that then. Brilliant. God is good. And then this began a five-year journey of the goodness of God. Um, You see, I think I was happy to thank God when times were good. And I was like, oh, God, thank you so much for being good. And then I was actually more than happy to criticise God and question his goodness when things were not going so well. Um, Kate and I have recently been listening to a number of Bill Johnson talks from Bethel and have really been caught up in his teaching on the goodness of God. 
Uh, he's written a book called God is Good, which I'm part way through. Um, I have to keep rereading it because it's one of those books you just can't just take it in one go. And it speaks of God's character being good and always good. And it doesn't change. And what changes is our perception of God's character. So when we don't understand things, we try and change our theology or, or try and look somewhere else to try and justify what we're going through. So, um, and Kate and I actually decided to work through this and recently came to the point of saying, you know what, God, whatever is thrown at us, you are good. And we started to declare the promises of God that he is for us and he's not against us, that he is our father. And how much more does he want to give us good things, it says in scripture. And having become parents ourselves, we would always want good for our children. I don't want to put them in harm's way. Yeah, I want them to grow. I want them to learn. But I'm not going to put them in in harm's way. And I truly believe God is not harsh and not a bully trying to teach us a lesson. And he doesn't want to see us suffering. And it's quite interesting then we're able to say that God is good. But this was really tested this summer. It's funny, isn't it, when you start to step out and you say, yeah, okay, God, we're going to go for this. You see, in March this year... We believe God faithfully gave us the perfect car. Okay? Seems rather material thing to talk about, but we truly believe that God gave us this car. He gifted us with it. He led us to it. The ease of buying it, the size of it, everything was perfect the way the money just came. And we, there's no way we thought we would ever be able to get it. Now, let me set the scene. We're in the middle of building work at the moment. In fact, today we have just given up living in our house because we can't cope with the dust anymore. So we are moving in with uh, my amazing parents-in-law for a while. Um, Because it just came to a head this morning. We were like, no, no way anymore. I can't wash up in the bath anymore. Um, (laughs) So life's become a little bit disrupted. And uh, it still is. And when we woke up five weeks ago to find that our lovely gift from God car had been stolen from outside the front of our house. The ironic thing is, the day before our car was stolen, Kate was in the car with a friend talking about the goodness of God and how God gave us the car and how amazing it was that he is just good all the time. So the morning we discovered that our car had been stolen, Kate distinctly heard God ask her the question, so... Am I still good? And wholeheartedly, she was able to give the answer, yes. Maybe a trivial example, but taking stock of what we believed that God had given us the car, and we were so thrilled with this car. It was one of those things we just didn't understand as to why our car was no longer there. Now, God didn't take our car. I don't believe God caused our car to be taken. I believe that he is good. But reflecting on the journey that Kate and I had been taking, Kate actually then prayed completely differently. You see, we'd packed to go on holiday the night before. Half packed the car. So the travel cot was in there. The buggy was in there. Our mattress for the travel cot. A pillow was in there. All the things we were going to take away for our, our youngest daughter to sleep in were in the car. And Kate said she stopped and she prayed that every, all of those things would be used for a baby who needed it more. That actually, our prayers had turned from frustration. Now, don't get me wrong, there were moments of high frustration, the fact that we hadn't got a car. Um, We weren't celebrating the fact we hadn't got a car. But we turned our frustration into 
God bringing good from the situation. Whoever stole that car, let them find a car seat and uh, all, of the, all of the stuff for babies and give them to a baby maybe that doesn't have the luxury of what we had. To add to this, this is kind of a bit of a, a whole saga for us, really. Going back to our eldest daughter, who's now five, she's recently been suffering with real bad stomach pains for a number of months. So it just so happened the week after the car was stolen, we took her to the doctors, and it turns out she's developed another milk intolerance. This time, though, our attitude has been completely different. We also have a huge amount of faith that God is going to heal her again, as he did before, because I believe that the enemy has come to steal her favourite drink. She loved milk. That's all she ever drank was milk and water. And I believe that the enemy came to steal that. And I just think, no, not anymore. Uh, Jesus restored it to her. And now I think, no, we're not, we're not going through this again. And I think it's important to say that when difficult things happen in our lives, it's actually really important to take time and process this stuff. We've been through some things, maybe not massive things, but at the time they were quite big. And actually it's important not to just trivialise it all and go, oh, well, you know, that's that. We can cry. We talk about it. We have the right to be upset. We're reminded actually of the story in John 11 when Lazarus dies and how grief-stricken Jesus was. Even though Jesus knew he had the power to raise Lazarus from the dead and was about to do it, He was devastated that his friend had died and he wept. And he was devastated and angry that the sin and death was in the world that he wept. He took time to process what he was seeing. You see, we often find a theology of a God who is a punishing God. And uh, I don't know about you, whether you grew up with a theology like that of waiting to step out of line, waiting for us to step out of line, or, oh, well, the reason that that is happening to you is actually um, because you did this wrong. Bill Johnson talks about it in his book, that the amount of people who say, well, the reason you're ill is because this has happened or you've done this in your life. But actually, I don't find anything within the character of Jesus in the Bible, who in Hebrews 1 Verse 3 is described as the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. I don't see Jesus doing that. I don't see Jesus uh, waiting for someone to step out of line. You see, I wonder if we often settle, uh, Bill Johnson again says, for the theological answers without experiencing the answers. So actually the concept of God being good is a good one. And I like that idea. Yeah, God is good. And to be honest, I probably bought into that when I was younger. And yeah, brilliant. God is great. God is good all the time. And then when something happens, you can't rely on the theological answer you have because you can't understand it. Because it's all a bit of a mystery. If you've ever heard Bill Johnson talk on anything, he kind of ends up with it's all a bit of a mystery. I need to experience the answer that God is good. And this is why it's so difficult, I think, to try and relay what I'm thinking. Because I can say God is good because he is. And that's it. I choose to believe that God is good and that he works together, works all things together for our good. And he heals and he saves and he loves and he sits with the broken and the hurting and he challenges the oppressor and he does all kinds of things. And so it goes on. And it may sound really simplistic, but actually I wonder whether it is. Here's some more stories. There's a lady I used to work with whose mother passed away when she was 13. 
She was actually on a flight home at the time and didn't get there. And she was so angry with God for a while. Why? I just don't understand, God. You are so not good. And she still has questions. She still doesn't understand. And actually, if we look through the Psalms, we find countless times where the psalmists don't understand and question all the time. And doesn't understand, but then it was her choice to say, I either turn my back on it all, or I accept that it was a complete mystery as to what's happened, and God is good. And she says that she often wonders what God did in her at that time. Not that God caused it to happen, but that she chose to go on with God regardless, and knows that he loves her. So we've been through quite an interesting journey at the moment of God being good, but not every situation is good. And actually giving thanks always. We're going to show, I'm going to show a little clip of a video. We've just um, managed to find it. I've got a question mark on my notes. But it's a video from 1992 uh, of the Olympics. It's probably quite a famous clip. But um, I want to tell another story which links into it. So here we go. Derek Redmond broke down um, and couldn't carry on, but he tried to carry on. And the guy who actually ran onto the track was his father and carried him over the line. Um, There's a lady called uh, Anne Calver, who I knew from Youth for Christ. And she speaks a lot on her journey with God through difficult times. And her and her husband, Gavin, wrote a book called Stumbling Box, uh, documenting times when life is tough. And through an interview on the Evangelical website, they say this. About five years into our marriage, we hit a roadblock after nearly two years of battling to conceive. We were told it was unlikely that we'd ever have a family. I felt like it was our right to get engaged, get married, and then have children. But perhaps not. Suddenly it felt like our prayers weren't answered and stuff in our lives didn't add up. Then strangely, we went on to have a daughter. Then we lost a baby and then finally to walk through the most challenging pregnancies unimaginable. Imaginable. Battling through nine blood transfusions in utero with possible brain damage or risk of cardiac arrest with our baby having a 5% chance of survival, it was a total miracle to welcome a son into our lives. Through all this time uh, in our lives, we battled with disappointment, pain, fear, and questioning a God who seemed unfair. We wondered where Jesus was in it all and what he was trying to teach us. And she says then that they, they, they drew a lot of inspiration from that idea of Derek Redman running round the, the, the track and uh, trying to hobble off maybe to the sidelines or trying to keep going. He couldn't finish the race and then his father came along and picked him up and carried on. And she said, we've, we've, we've taken up the chance to be real about the things that might cause us to hobble off the track and never get back in the race. The stories are an opportunity to question whether there is a way through the challenges and perhaps to know the reality that Jesus is with us, whatever we face. We don't believe that life was meant to be easy or if we were faithful to God that we will always work out the way that it should. The truth is we all have to face hurdles in life, but you can conquer them. Whatever the challenge that hits, walking through it with God will lead us out stronger. And they came to the conclusion that they had to, um, that uh, in the midst of our struggles, we chose to, over, to throw ourselves onto Jesus. We somehow knew that it was, it was a time when we needed him most, not a time to quit and run away. 
And I remember Anna at a conference saying that she sat after the initial diagnosis of her son and told God that she'd had enough. And she didn't see why it was, he was so unfair. And then she said she had a moment where she thought, but I think I'd rather do this with God and not understand than to do it without God at all. You see, I know that God is good to me. And not just in the day-to-day, we can take that away. But even the fact that he did what he did through Jesus on the cross, making a way for redemption for all the rubbish and the sin that we have that separates us from him, because we were totally lost in our sin. No way back of redemption that could ever take us back to being in a relationship with God. But then God sent Jesus to pay the price for our sin. He died, he rose again, he broke the power of sin, the bondage and the weight of sin, and brought us back into a right relationship with God. For me, that's enough. You see, that means God is good. But he does more, and he does more, and he does more, and he does more. I'd love to, to, to stop and go, let's have as many people as we can to come and share why, how God's been good in your life. But I think we'd be rather overwhelmed, and we'd be over time. You see, I was sitting right in this, and I thought, what would it be like if I turned my back on God and said no more? And I wrote down one word, I wrote down these words, to do life without God now seems like a horrendous idea to me. To suddenly go, do you know what, I think I can probably do this all on my own, thanks very much. I was at the Revival Alliance conference and uh, in Birmingham um, last month, and uh, Laurie, Laurie Arnott Lawless repeated a phrase over and over again throughout the conference. She said, Jesus, if you never answered one more of my prayers, and I know you will, But Jesus, if you never answered one more of my prayers, then I would be eternally grateful for what you have already done in my life. And that just went straight in my face thinking, actually, yeah, I know that Jesus will. Maybe not in the way that I always want him to. But I'd be eternally grateful for everything he's already done. And so here we go. I haven't really got a theologically straight answer as to the question that God is good or why we should always give thanks, always give thanks. But I really hope that some of these stories have at least served to encourage you, lift you up, um, believe that God is good. I don't really want us to end on some emotional roller coaster of a ride, but I'm still on a journey. We're all still on a journey. But how then do we respond to this? And this is where I want to get back into very quickly the Ephesians passage, because I want to do some stuff at the end with us to respond. So as I said earlier, the Ephesians 5 passage, Paul is in the middle of talking about how we walk through life with wisdom. And I love these three things that he says. Don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. That's his number one thing. Number one is be filled with the Spirit. And then out of that filling, speak to one another. It just, it flows. Be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Psalms literally means pluck the strings. Get get the music going. Lift praises to God. Sing spiritual songs inspired by the Spirit. Martin Lloyd-Jones talks about spiritual songs being an overflowing of joy, an overflowing of thanks coming from being filled with the Spirit. But it's interesting, I think, that it says addressing one another or speaking to one another in spiritual songs. It's almost reminding each other, this is how good God is. 
but doing it in song. Giving thanks always, it says. It's still flowing. There's, there's no full stops. It says, making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father. Sing to one another with a greatness of God, about, about the greatness of God, which always gives him glory. And through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, always giving thanks to God. He has done so much already. And so actually, I'd love to do that. I'm going to lead us in a song with the, uh, with the band. And I just love us to sing about the goodness of God. And using Ephesians 5, I'd love us to then, maybe after we finish singing that song, we'll just play some music and maybe some of us just come up and sing the goodness of God to each other. You've got to bear with me. Like, I had this moment where I was like, this could get a bit odd, but I just really got a sense that actually I'd just love it if some of us, not everyone, unless everyone wants to, but to sing the goodness of God over us and just to remind us that God is good. Now, maybe this is the start of something which we which we, we can look at. This certainly isn't a comprehensive overview of the goodness of God. But it's that idea of having the theology or having the experience. And I just have been praying that today we would just experience a glimpse of the goodness of God. Even if we haven't quite got it theologically in our minds. But the goodness of God is is, is something which I think is so important to us. Because it is his character and his nature.